Welcome to Marketing Money Podcast. Roll it! So Bobby's wearing a Marketing Money podcast shirt today. It's, and it's awesome. And it's awesome. And I, I love mine. I, we should I, sell them. We should them give them merch. away. Should we give them away or sell them? I don't think anyone would buy it. Hey, listeners, would you buy a Marketing Money podcast shirt? Let us know at marketingmoneypodcast.com. Segway to discussion of checking accounts and other products. Should you sell them or should you give them away? Go. <laughs> this is funny because I had a conversation with our accountant earlier. We are talking about... People not understanding how banks work. and Wait, you have an accountant? I have like six. Uh, I'm not a 10 going on $12 billion company. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I was talking about myself personally. The company <laughs> has like 20, plus an outside accountant. Mm. C. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. whatever. I mean, whatever. You're rich. I'm I, poor. I mean, All these bucks, bro. Yeah, more money, more problems, as they say. That is. Is it true? I mean, you get in that top tax bracket, it is tough. Just by the way, uh, just a side disclaimer, John is not rich. I, but we're pl- don't spoil it for all the listeners out there. You weren't supposed to hear that. They th- they think I'm wealthy. <laughs> You're not even healthy. I've never driven a car made after 2010 <laughs> in my lifetime, I don't think. <laughs> He had a DeLorean. Luckily, I've written in one. From the future. Apparently. The future, the future, the future. Anyway, I had this conversation earlier with how few people understand the profitability of banks. Like, where do banks make money and all that. So, you know, I don't know. I'm not a bank accountant, so I don't know if a bank out there can make enough money off the spread. I I don't know. I've I've never... Well, we give away coffee... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, down the street is a store whose entire profit model is $4. based on coffee. Four dollar minimum. Yeah, we give away other things that other companies their entire so model is based on selling the things. Barista coffee shops. I mean, given our coffee is probably just Folgers, and I, I don't know if it is, but it's probably your run of the mill Folgers in a pack, and it's put in a styrofoam cup, and the environment suffers, and so we try to move to a different type of cup. <laughs> but my point being is, I. We give away things that other people profit on, and then we ask money for things that maybe others would give away for free. So, maybe. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, speaking as as of, I have speaking that of things that cost and a value, I saw for discussion purposes and then moving into our banking discussion how Netflix reported this week that they have 125 million subscribers, and Amazon Prime just discussed or disclosed that they have over 100 million Prime Subscribers, if that's the correct word. I think so. Users, prime users. So that's a lot of subscription services. So first, I want to see the Venn diagram of how many of them, how many people do both. And I would say, I would, I would bet the hundred million. I do both. Are in are in the hundred million prime or are like ninety nine percent in Netflix territory. So if you so if you cross each other, if eighty percent of those cross up, that means that the the person in that Venn diagram or that three circle core uh, is spending roughly twenty two to twenty five dollars a month just on subscription services with the two companies. Yeah, but well, uh, not a month. Well, well, Prime is a hundred over a year. I yeah, think. but I but mean that's divided out. It's about twenty dollars with the both of them. Yeah, 
But are, are they still subscribing to a hundred dollar cable bill? Yeah, you know, I mean, and and ah, oh, value add. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's crazy to think how that shifted because Comcast delivers internet to my house, but I could take my cable, you know, programming subscription off and get this new DirecTV Now or whatever it's called. Um, it's so funny, a lot like banks, that, that these cable providers, these programming providers did not see the writing on the wall. They were delivering access to the thing that wound up giving access to to the to the system that well, killed them. And HBO or was, was essentially them. Netflix before Netflix. I mean, it was non-commercialized, some of its own programming, and then some paid for licensing of movies and motion pictures. And then they did their own shows. The- Saturday at 7 p.m. was the, that new HBO movie that came out. They had just come off the, um, yeah, the theater. Saturday was that, and Sunday night was their own original programming. Right. And so what's interesting to me is they kind of had the Netflix model down before Netflix. It was subscription-based, mm-hmm. and they did really this well. They couldn't deliver on demand. Yeah, they couldn't deliver on demand, and now they can. Right. And so it, I would also like to see how many of those are the same as primer, and you could get a core customer thing, and maybe there's something that they get together and decide it's a – I don't know. But it, it's weird to think about the subscription services, which brings me to banking and the free checking model that shifted due to a few things. One was, was Dodd-Frank and the Durbin Amendment that – closed off interchange fees for banks above uh, 10 billion threshold, and then also uh, digital transactions coming with items like Zelle and Venmo and other things that you don't, the interchange, how do you figure that out if you're exchanging dollars versus a, a retail exchange? And so you're looking at a model with banks that may shrink in the transaction fee, and then they were giving away free checking. So now do you come up with a subscription service that offers value for your checking, but the consumer has to, of course, except that they'll pay for it uh, coming back in. And a lot of banks will waive services for e-statements, 10 swipes, direct deposit, and certain triggers. Uh, but it's, it's, I don't know, in, in the world of marketing money and the Marketing Money Podcast and bank marketing, it's interesting to think about uh, the way you approach your customers in the new world of, of sort of enhanced subs- subscription value. Well, two things have to happen, in my opinion, for that to even begin to work. Um, one, banks have to, have to, and, um, you know, our distributor, ABA, has to look at making sure the consumer understands the value of banking. Um, I am trying to compile um, a mega cut of people making fun of the banking industry. Oh, you'll look like a banker. Ah, you acting like a banker. Being a banker is a negative word now. Well, and a lot of us did it to ourselves. Yeah, we did it to ourselves, but... Um, you know, when something, when a big bank screws up and does fraud, the the national media reports it as banks or defraud. No, a bank did. And so... the or subprime lending. Banks right. and subprime lending. No, not all banks did subprime yeah. loans. And the market, to a degree, corrected itself because those people went out of business or folded or were, you know... Acquired. Uh, acquired through, through poor performance. The consumer needs to get back to and, and it's and it's the consumer well i'm sorry we need to it's not the consumer's um, job to figure out what's important to them so describing what banks do what, what what why were the underpinning of the economy and the other thing is delivering value true value 
And, and we have, like you said, we give away coffee. We've devalued the services over and over because we make money on this this back-end, invisible side of it. And I would point to looking at companies like Netflix or HBO. Not that there's a whole lot of overlap, honestly, in how the two work. Other than this, HBO's subscription is not driven by the fact that they've got the movie that was in the theater. Like when I was a, 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 a kid, that I watched Wayne's World at the theater, I rented the, 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 the movie, and then when it came on HBO on Saturday, that was still a big deal because they, they got that programming. And then I could watch it at, at any time. That's not what's driving HBO subscription right now. It's one thing that's driving their subscription right now, too. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. <laughs> and now Westworld, like it got yeah. they put out a show and they did it so wisely. Starting with Game of Thrones, a show that like nerds and like True Detectives was pretty solid too. True Detective is is another one. But but look at the formula of those shows. You're a, a Westworld follower. We're clamoring for this next it's like this existential drama that you true lies or I'm sorry true detective sorry showtime uh, true detective was the same way in that it required somebody else to talk to talk with about it so it elicited I, I hope they did this pur- purposely I hope they were in a meeting where like this is the perfect show to us to build for us to build subscriptions because it's not like an episodic here it is now it's gone. It's like somebody has to go tell, like, hey, have you watched True Detective yet? Man, that sh- you haven't? You're miss Game of Thrones, how many times did you hear from somebody that was like, somebody you regarded as you wouldn't play Dungeons and Dragons with them, told you about, and you're like, ah. I mean, people picked it up in like the third or fourth season because... They'd heard so much about it. Right, but they had discounted it before because this is a nerd show. It's about dragons. It's about whatever. And they didn't pick it up. And, and Westworld's the same way sci-fi genre piece very well done that requires somebody else you have to discuss that with somebody the lesson from this might be and i'm I'm stretching here can banks create something in the marketplace that is so talked about whether it be the most awesome digital experience service something that is so talked about that customers are willing to pay a subscription for it that that gives them value that also takes out something else because the HBO Netflix takes out the commercialization mm-hmm. of media. But people really didn't care. That wasn't no, what drew them. No, it was this. But I, but they like it. But it's a thing I get that I can't get elsewhere. And my point in that, and sorry to jump back in, is banks will not be able to, to subscriptify, to use the gamify and the whatever thing, their services if it's the same crap they, they offered the day before. And it's this... And it can be the same thing you get elsewhere because at its root, Game of Thrones is a is a TV show. It is a TV show. It's a, but it's a movie. And I want to jump over to Netflix real quick. To, oh yeah. And I hated that thing at first, and now I love it. I even love your bad rendition of it. But that was Bobby. <laughs> the, the funny thing is though. So so that's the HBO programming model, right? Is make this thing that's talked about. That's my interpretation of it. Call me executives and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Netflix took a different... They uh, used data. They used data. They saw what we were watching and we liked... Um, it was people my age um, who grew up with E.T. and Spielberg. So let's create shows like that and just pump it out. Yeah. In, oh, you for, like, in a formula. We I mean, know they Stranger did the Things model. Is, Stranger Things Yo, is dog, gonna, you like sci-fi and kids in the 80s? We'll I put it. all that together for you. Here it is. <laughs> Here it is. And, and we couldn't get that elsewhere. No one... 
was making an 80-centered thing anymore. Now, there's the Goldbergs that, that kind of came out of that, the, the show. But again, that's episodic. Um, you don't have to watch the series. So to me, again, taking it back to banking, the first model you mentioned is giving a value of something you cannot get and something you want when you want it from a bank and services that you might pay for the value is. The Netflix model would be banks looking at their data internally and saying, we know customers want this because they're doing this. Mm -hmm. We should create more of this. But we don't even look at it. No, we don't. But Netflix, like, they watch that people were into these Pablo Escobar things. All of a sudden, if you look in your feed, if you've ever watched it, you're getting every gangster Escobar thing. If you watched, um, I I don't know, Indiana Jones, all of a sudden you're going to get other feeds that are like that certain movie. And so they look at that and then they start... And Amazon does they that too with products. With, and with Prime. They curate your feed and what you're looking for. They use data to make it a personal experience with things you like. Like, I'm not going to see romantic comedies of mine because I happen to not really watch those. My wife's, if you go to her account, that's all it is. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is so there are companies and providers that say they do it. We have two problems. Prove me wrong. Write me, provider, and prove to me that you do this, that you can really get into data and do this. But the problem is banks don't action it either. So you don't really have a consumer for it, and you don't really have the provider that can do it. But with anonymized data, not even having to know and, 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 and finding – I think where the innovation is going to come, I'll, I'll say it this way, is not in a traditional bank product, but in this tangential service that banks do the Netflix model and see, like, people are buying this thing elsewhere. And instead of going out – so Netflix, what they could have done is like Ghostbusters and Goonies. Like they could have like made Goonies Part Two and Ghostbusters, which they did not not Netflix, but they could have gotten that. But they made something original, yet overlaid it to go back to the Venn diagram. Had a strong overlay and familiarity with it. What can banks do? That's not something just brand new. Like no one could even comprehend, but something they're all that, that consumers are already buying. Venmo is a pretty good example of that. It is, but Zelle and Venmo are the same thing. I, I mean, I, but you said not something brand new. I mean, they looked at it and said this is something consumers yeah, Venmo want. Venmo is. This is something consumers want. We don't. They want to transact, we, and they we, don't want to carry cash, and we don't have it. It's I'm, like it. But we don't have it, and a lot of consumers are doing it. We should move that over here before people move to that model and leave us. But what do banks do? They go out and make a carbon copy of of it. Look, it works well. It's great, um, you know. But but it's still the same thing. It's Ghostbusters reboot. It's not it's not a new story that's going to be compelling. So I don't have that answer, or I would be a billionaire. I'd be trading on my own futures. But here is something I will say that banks have that I think they've discounted. Are you ready for this? I was born ready. We have. There exists this financial system, right, that I've already said people don't understand. And everybody is out chasing this digital experience, yet the traditional banks have something that I don't think they understand the value of, which is people to connect with you to help you understand this complex, at times archaic, compliance-driven intimidating system they can a real bank that understands what they're doing can make a one-to-one human connection that the fintech can't do 
And I think what we're doing is seeing this like target over here. Oh, the revenue is going over here. The experience is going over here. This is what the customer wants. And to use a misattributed quote to Henry Ford, if you ask people what they wanted, they would say faster horses. But we're not even asking the people. We're making this other thing, not realizing the value many times that we have in our our people. And when I, I'll go to what I said earlier in and the value of those people in helping that client understand the need. We have a guest coming on the show shortly. Her name is Sia Vancia. Yeah. And she is with Connect One out of New Jersey. I can't do a New Jersey accent. That was you bad. You can't do it. You you barely do John Oxford. Yeah, but I do it well sometimes. <laughs> anyway. We're going to have C on the show. She's going to talk about branching and digitalization and just what's going on in the world of Connect One so that we can give you a little bit more value for your free podcast instead of just but us But you're giving us time. About, you're yeah, giving us time. You're giving it. And time is the most valuable asset you have. Yes. What's the movie with Justin Timberlake where they keep running out of it? That's like... It, Only time. The movie, was, the movie was sort of weird, but like the premise where you could give time to people to keep Jessica them Jessica Bill was his mom, right? Or was it? Who was his mom? That's his wife. I, but the movie, like his mom, was somebody. I don't. It was cool because she was young. We have prepped Sia to talk about: Is the bank branch dead? It's you, the Walking Dead. <laughs> fear of it's the check cashing dead. Yes. So, Sia, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. John's already given you the rundown on. Um, north mississippi where we're located weather are you guys frozen in up there is the jersey nor'easter still um super cold it's it's still cold i'm still wearing my winter coat unfortunately uh it's 45 degrees i don't know something like that today and and um you know for us southerners it's we still feel like it's super cold but um we know that some other folks are struggling hey so you know, this is like a sports and marketing podcast, or I try to make it that way. Jersey Devils are in the, the hockey playoffs. Is that exciting to you, or you just don't care? I, I, I hear they are. Um, you know, I will go to a hockey game any day of the week for the beer. Um, I'm not really there for the sports, but but uh, I will follow along for, for New Jersey. I like it. I like it. So, the big question. Is the bank branch dead? What do you think? I don't think the if the bank branch doesn't change, it will not die. If it changes, it will not die. Sorry, I know I messed that up. But I don't think the – I think there is a use for re- retail. I think people want to go into a bank branch will continue to, to function in the same way. Um, and I think if we don't – if banks don't change the – their traditional model of the branch, they might run into some trouble. How do you think it should change? I mean, we have a pretty healthy branch network uh, at Renaissance with nearly 190 locations. And some of them, you know, you get 5,000 transactions a week, if not 1,000 daily, just because they're in high traffic areas. And what do you think would will change to make branching more viable in the future with the digital capabilities that banks now have? Well, I think as bankers, we have to change our expectation a little bit about uh, trans- what what is the value of a branch. So if we're counting on transaction activity, I think we're going to see that go down. We at Connect One have seen uh, retail transactions go down, um, but that doesn't mean the branch is any less 
valuable. I think, I think, let, let me talk long term and then I think I'll, I'll work back into how we can get there. I think we've seen a lot of other industries evolve their retail model. Um, I always look at retail because, you know, to some extent, banking is still retail. Um, and we've seen, we, a lot of new retail companies are developing these showroom-like retail models. So you can go in, you can, if it's a shirt store, you can understand how the shirts are made in, in, in the shop. You can touch, see, feel the material. You can talk to an expert. You can understand what the company's about. And then you may actually transact online. Or you may choose to transact in the store. And what's really interesting to me about these, these new retail models is, is whether you're transacting online, in person, everything's run by the same digital structure, right? So there's not one software system that's set up for in-store versus another software system that's set up for retail. They're all pretty much running on the same backbone. I don't think that that connection exists in the banking world today, and I think any, I think we'll get there one day, right? So when you do walk into a branch five years from now, you may transact on the same on the same platform that you would offline. And really, you're going to be going into a branch to have a conversation about banking, to learn more, um, or, or maybe to perform some type of transaction that you would you haven't in the past or you don't do normally, right? So if I always deposited checks on my phone and I, I'm used to that, I, I probably wouldn't go out of my way to go to a branch to, to deposit a check, but if I have a new kind of transaction um, or I want to learn how something's done, I would I'd want to walk in and talk to someone if I can. What I'm hearing is, is and this is so true, like, as you pointed out in retail, is really really it's about, and I, I'm not going to the financial literacy side of this even, but, but just understanding how it works. I mean, I, I think what, what you're describing is something that we've seen is that consumers have an absolute um, voracious appetite for understanding how how things work, and bankers traditionally, I think, um, since they work in it every day, they understand it and, and they sort of think that the consumer should. Yet the consumer has no idea uh, many times how a bank works. Is is that what you're getting to? Is that is that ability to understand? Right, and understand. Yes, understand the products and services that work best for them. Um, I'll use myself as an example, right? I, I'm not an, a homeowner. I'm the I'm the stereotypical millennial renter. But when I'm ready to get a mortgage, I'm going to have to talk to somebody, and I, I want to know all what all of my options are and what works best. And and I'm probably going to want to have that conversation in person if possible. And I think that's the kind of value banks can hold. If I decide to start a business, I would want to probably come in and open an account and understand. What, what options work best for me? Do I need a credit card right away? Do I start with just a checking account? And when I need a loan, what do I need to do? Yeah, I think, I think that bankers, and, and, and this is both admonitory and, and, and advisory, I guess, is your, your MLOs, your mortgage uh, lending officers, don't, I, I don't think they understand the importance, and, and uh, this is something we can obviously help them do as marketers, of that consumer understanding, because if you go buy a house today, traditional mortgage, you're going to have to pay 10 to 20%, probably 20% down. And so, I mean, it's not just buying a house, which is a, was a, which is impactful. I mean, it's super impactful, but it's, it's real money. I mean, that 20% of a, of a home purchase is, isn't, 
it's different in 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 New Jersey and and the greater New York area than it is even in Mississippi. Let's take a, a you know a, a two hundred thousand dollar home. Who has forty thousand dollars just sitting around to go make that down payment? Uh, that's that's change for me. I've got that. John is. Remember, we have to keep our narrative going. That you're an affluent, uh, an incredibly rich. Uh, yes, forty. You need that right now. I've got it in my glove box. John just pulled it out. Since I can run out to my since, car. Since this is audio. You can't tell. He just pulled out forty thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, that was the money I was going to tip with at lunch today. <laughs> but but the point is, is people. I mean, that, forty thousand dollars is an incredible amount of money, or eighty, or you know, whatever you go down to. That's going to require a relationship, to, you know. And, and and I think we're discounting that to to a degree. That banking relationship. I think you're exactly right. John's over putting his money back in his pocket. He. And and again, I'll, I'll I'll keep kicking bankers. Sometimes it's just like, oh, you don't qualify, move along, <laughs> instead of having that secondary conversation that would really build an incredibly deep relationship. Sometimes, maybe maybe yours don't do that, but I I have heard tell of this. Yeah, I mean, and we're seeing that happen little by little here at Connect One. We've upgraded the teller position, so we no longer have tellers at Connect One Bank. Uh, we've moved to the universal banker model. Because we're seeing any anything that's transaction based is moving away from the the branch. It's it's happening on the mobile device. If you need cash, it's happening at the ATM. And we've actually had people come here, pull up, and go through the drive up drive through to get cash, then park their car and come inside for a cup of coffee. You know, it almost doesn't make sense. But if it's if it's a basic transaction, people are being driven to mobile online. Um, or or outdoor you know the ATM channel as as an option and so when they're coming in they're they're coming in for a different reason and they want to be able to talk to someone that that can at least have a baseline conversation about mortgage right or business accounts or small business loans and so we've we've trained all of our bankers to be a little bit more knowledgeable knowledgeable in the those areas because the, the role of the teller is slowly fading away Right, you don't. No one wants to go to a, a human to do something that a machine can do faster, probably in a more accurate way. But they want to talk to a human being. Absolutely, especially in these emotional. I mean, real life things. This is our money. It's not a transaction. I mean, we can talk about transaction numbers and all that, but I mean, it. It's 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 money. It's our it's our it's our livelihood and things like that. So I, I absolutely, absolutely agree. My question here is this. If you were starting a bank today, would you put your money into branching or would you put it into digital experience? And see, you can have first shot. I would put it in digital experience. I would build a a full-blown, awesome digital bank and then roll out locations that were actually powered by the digital software I built. And so if, if that's the plan, why do most banks out there have such a poor website experience, or just, let's say, web experience? (laughs) How honest do you want me to be? (laughs) I think there's two different web experiences, right? There's the website, the front-end marketing side of the website, which I think now we're seeing more and more banks update their their look, become more mobile-responsive, update their capability. There's, There's a lot more agencies catering to banks, like Mabus. We don't just cater, we serve. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. One thing that I've noticed about bankers is they want to go to vendors that have bank experience. 
And I think that I understand the benefits of that. I, I do think that we do have to try a little bit harder and look outside of the banking world. But um, I think today we're seeing more web developers uh, catering to or serving banks uh, come, popping up. I think on the back end side, we're, we're, we're handcuffed by the core providers. And, John, I don't know if you can relate, but there's, there's only so much you can do. And, and so I think a lot of banks are starting to, to look outside of the core uh, solutions that are offered, especially for ancillary services like online banking, mobile banking, because if, if they're not keeping up with the latest and greatest, we're restricted, right? So today we're looking at moving all of our online account opening over to the Encino platform because that digital experience, that digital experience matters and it matters to the future of, of our bank. And so if our core system can't, can't step it up, then we'll look elsewhere. Um, but I think it's taken us a while to get there. Well, I mean, it's. I, I want to jump in for a second here because I mean that core banking, the online banking, uh, that side of it. I mean, there's just a. It's not even. It's just such a segmented niche part of marketing. I mean, I've been doing this for ten years. Have some of the absolute best online uh, software developers, web developers out there, but I wouldn't step out and build a core and and i had a had a conversation with this with, with hunter young who everybody knows uh, not i mean hopefully everybody, everybody on this call it. if you made a core today you couldn't sell it to a bank you couldn't a bank wouldn't buy it because it's new it's untested i think everybody knows this i mean a bank's not going to be the first person to adopt that core and they, uh, that's why that that um advancement comes out no no there is not a bank in america that would just say yeah let me let me try that you couldn't sell a new core today so that does something to innovation you're at the mercy of the core yeah the hr changeover the blah 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 i mean it it is a nightmare and um, luckily we have systems that run really really well admirably but sometimes not competitively with what another industry brings to to bear like an I hate to make this comparison, it's overdone, but Amazon. Amazon's not a beautiful website, but it works, and you can find everything you ever want. I think sometimes our cores are a little bit like that. They work, and you can find your transactions more utilitarian than pretty. I still get back to my original question. It's like, if the digital experience is so important, I'm still at a loss as to like why banks are so poor in this area, because I guess we can blame cores for what they don't give us and, and do give us, and I'm talking about core systems, not cores light. And because Josh, Josh was confused, he looked at me and he's like, "Why are you talking about that? Can we get a silver bullet?" So he was talking about, I don't know, what's the silver bullet to this to this problem? Oh, ah, ah. But I, I still so switching it a little bit. I don't know why banks couldn't save and have the same account opening process at the platform that they have online. So it's just the same thing versus because I know with, with us, you open a different you have a different app when you open a, and I mean application, not app on your phone, but an application when you try to sign up versus when you go to the platform and meet with a customer service, universal bank or whatever the, the flavor of the day name is for them. There's a difference. And I think it should be the same. I think if it's the same across the system, then the banker understands what the customer goes through and the customer can then call a banker and say, well, here's where I am, because a lot of times they go, well, that, my system doesn't look like that. So I think there's a digital divide in what the customer can do to apply online and how they have to apply at the platform. So you've got that issue going on. You've got core providers who, if they do an update, charge multiple, multiple 
thousands to do it because they have to one-off it from their general uh, one they run for every single bank. And so then I think banks then argue they can't differentiate themselves because they all have to look the same to their core. And there's only three cores or four cores. Depending on if I'm drinking, there could be six cores. But uh, there's only three or four of them. And so, or you do it yourself, and then that's a whole problem in, into itself. So, see, I don't know what your feelings right, are on it. but right. And, and what is what is the core most – what's the most valuable part of the core? And, you know, maybe it just serves – our point of view is – Maybe it just serves as your your data warehousing server, right? Because it is no, it, it does provide an enormous level of security, and there's um, there's certain aspects that no other company wants to take on. So, like our commercial lending will continue to live on our core, but do I need them for the ancillary services, right? If they can't get, if they can't provide the best mobile app or the best um, account, I know account opening is a huge deal that's that's consistent no matter what channel you're on then do we really need them for that and and what other options are out there um i think the great thing about about the world that we live in today i wouldn't want to be a banker 20 years ago um is that there's a lot of fintech companies coming out that that are taking bits and pieces of the banking experience and you know, disrupting, I know, is the buzzword, but they're revamping them, and they're offering the digital experiences that we should be offering as banks. The benefit for us is none of them are are banks, and I don't. I think a lot of them don't want to be banks. They don't have the capital. They don't have the compliance departments to run as a bank, so I think there's opportunity for partnership. I think there's there's someone, there's there's companies we can learn from, right? So Venmo launched offered a great P2P system, and and then the banking system was able to spin off a version of that called Zelle and, and offer it to our consumers with the security of a bank. So I think, I think that there is um, – I know I'm going a little off topic, sorry, but um, I think that there is some benefit. So, yeah, we are restricted and, and – our cores may not be doing everything that we want, but the beauty, the, the silver lining is that that we can look to these these fintech disruptors to take a, to, to understand how they built their processes. What can we partner with them on? What can we learn from? What are what are people responding to? We can even use some of them as a focus group. What we're really talking about here, whether it's a branch design or whether it is a, a web experience, digital experience, what we're talking about is is interacting with the consumer. That consumer experience which again is super buzzy and honestly I'm going to be really frank to our listeners I don't I haven't seen No, she works for really frank. Ah, she no, she works for Frank Sorrentino. She works for the real Frank. Real Frank. So I can't be I'm going to be fake Frank for a minute. But I've talked to Frank and he is a Frank guy too. Anyway, I don't I haven't met anybody that that boasts this user-centered BS that has ever met a human or talked to them, I think, because it's just, I, I haven't seen anything that impresses me on this side. However, what we're talking about from, from branch design to this to that is what does that consumer want? There is a consumer. I mean, your, your example, see, of somebody who um, got cash out of a drive through ATM or went through the drive through and then came in for coffee. They're not an idiot. They're not whatever. They may be distracted. That was the experience that they wanted. They went through that experience. And we do all this journey mapping and all this stuff, but we don't even listen to ourselves or ask the, ask the consumer what they want. 
And I, what I see is instead of and and look, it, it may be, it may be some of the fintech companies. It may be other um, because that's definitely spurring innovation where it can. But can we find something else that just works better? We did this in our own business. Um, I was talking to my accountant. We're trying to integrate our project management system with our billing system, and I just said we can we can actually hire a person from actually cheaper than than we're looking at developing software to bridge these two systems, who has more flexibility, who can think, who can um, raise his or her hand and say I see a problem with this, uh, who can change, and I think just sometimes we get so caught up in trying to integrate everything and and and. Um, to a degree, even digitize everything. We have to have an app for that. And sometimes there just has to be a human element to it because, you know, we want to, we do want to connect to another human and have a relationship or be able to ask a question that a chat bot can't answer with the best AI in the world. And, uh, you know, I I, I would just say, I think that's what, um, what all this revolves around is at, at some point. Yeah. And that we share those experiences with other people. We don't. While there are people that like to be a loner type personality or alone, we we still experience this thing together. And um, I think that's what we're missing right now. Human-centered design. I think it's centering too much on an individual instead of how they exist in a in a community. I think that was very well said. That, that's that's going to be the drop the drop quote for this um, for this podcast. That's my that's my knowledge of the day. John, what's your um, knowledge? Drop the mic over there. My knowledge of the day is that banks spend too much time looking inward and worried about the processes. I I guess they spend too much time looking on the process of efficiency within the bank versus what the customer needs and uh, how to make the process better for the customer. I felt there's too much of, well, if we change this process internally it'll be digitized and then we won't have to do this and it'll go this and it's all internal and it makes it makes a difference maybe on your time as an employee but but when you get outside of the wall of your office or outside of the cube or whatever you're working in i I, sometimes i sit back in my office because external affairs is is reports to me in my job position sometimes i sit there and go is anything we did did anything we did or anything we did today actually impact the outside customer experience and the brand or did we just figure out a faster way to make a Word doc into a PDF? Or just, I'm just using that as a, as a joke. But I feel like there's so much internal stuff in, as a bank gets bigger that a lot of times you need to say, what did this do to help the customer today? We didn't ask them. Yeah. And so I think that's when you said my thought of the day. That's I've really been – I met with our whole team yesterday. We kind of pulled out and had a little meeting, and we talked about moving past internal you know processes and arguing over who does what and throwing the grenade no one wants to jump on it because it's a project that involves a process and we got to move out of that and just look towards how does it how does it impact the customer and if it's not doing that unless it's got to be done let's let's move off this internal wrangling over what does faster and does this internal that actually has no benefit to bringing someone into our bank i think if you walk into any one of our project meetings whether it's you know rebuilding the the retail model or the digital account opening or uh, our new loan processing system. The, the one question is: Is this removing friction for the from the client experience? Because today's banking experience is full of friction points, and it was it was okay for a long time. It was accepted, um, and it, 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 it consumers are demanding faster, smoother, 
more data-driven experiences, and and we need to get on it. Absolutely, and that and that enhances everything. I mean, I, I think to to wrap it up, to bring it full circle, as um, I love when people say to to do that. I mean, it it is using we rounded the basis. Yeah, it's using that knowledge that we have, and 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 we said this in an earlier podcast that. Understanding that a bank owns its brand and its data, and that data, some of it's in the core, some of it, but but some of it's just experiential. You can look around and see what's going on to better enhance those um, interactions with clients. There's a there's an organization, a tech organization that, that I visited, um, and in their conference room, I, I saw these like little. Um, I think I've mentioned this before on a podcast. These little metal cutouts of people. They look like little bathroom um, icons. And I was like, "What? What are these things?" And they said, "Well, that's like gingerbread man." Yeah, and they said, "That's the customer." And I was like, uh, "Every time we have a meeting, the customer's in the room." So you know, and this dozens of times they'll they'll. We have a similar concept. If you look at our logo, we have four squares, and one's a lighter blue. When we rebranded, um, it was kind of just a side conversation. Frank was telling the story about when he started this bank with you know a board and. $12 million in capital, and there was always an empty chair, at, a physical empty chair at every table because that's that's where the client should sit. What would the client say if they heard this this conversation? Does the decision we're making benefit that client? Um, and so it was our, our branding company found it so powerful that we built it into our logo. And now if you come to Connect to One Bank, you'll see a blue chair in, in every conference room. That's awesome. So, we, we just found out a cool little thing today. Did not know about that. Our side tidbit. Well, see ya. Appreciate you being on the call today. Appreciate your service on the ABA Marketing Board and uh, your service at the ABA Marketing, whatever you want to call it, gathering, convention, retreat. It's coming up. In Baltimore. September. Yeah. So uh, Looking forward to it. You can see there. See ya. If someone wants to follow you on Twitter or LinkedIn – uh, if you're on LinkedIn, I know you're on Twitter. What's your handle so people can check out your uh, your life? Find me at Sia1014. So that's S-I-Y-A-1014. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mavis Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.